Hey guys, good hanging out with you guys this morning. I want to let you know what God is doing. It's been so cool. Over the past two weeks, one church has baptized 12 people in the past 14 days. That is amazing. I was telling our staff last Monday, I said, you know, um, there are a lot of churches in, the, in a lot of places in the world that don't see 12 people get baptized in a year. And we are so blessed and so thankful uh, that God is working and moving in our midst. And he's working all over churches, all over Clarksville, all over America, all over the world to be able to see people's lives changed. And I just want to say thank you so very much to our volunteers who volunteer. That's the reason why we serve. We want to see people's lives changed. So um, I'm just so, so thankful. I just want to just rejoice with you guys of what God is doing. We're in part three of our series entitled The Dip. And uh, I'm really enjoying this series. I hope you guys are as well. And the whole premise of this series is all of us experience dips. Dips happen, right? Um, and we all, uh, we love to stay on the mountaintop experiences. We love to say everything's going great and we're really close to God. And it's like every time we read the Bible, we open it up and it's, we just feel so close to God and we sing songs and we feel so close to God. But not all of us are there. And if you're a brand new Christ follower, if you just entered a relationship with him and you're like, okay, I'm never going to experience a dip you're in denial. It's not just a river in Egypt, okay? Because all of us experience dips. All of us experience times in our lives where we just experience struggles and problems. And we see that people in the Bible experience these exact same things as well. The people in the Bible struggle with questioning God and being disappointed in God, and they struggled with God through some really difficult times. And so many times we have this idea that we think in order to be a good church person, to be a good Christian, we can't have any doubts, we can't have any questions, we just got to follow God blindly. And you need to know that that is not the case, that all of us, we struggle, we have doubts, we have questions, and this series is what do you do when you're in the middle of those questions? What do you do when you're in the dip? Here's a graphic we've been looking at all this past, uh, actually past three weeks, that all of us, we experience times where we're right here. I mean, we're right smack dab in the middle of this dip right here. And last week, we talked about that so many of us were waiting in the bottom of that dip and we looked at our big idea last week that God cares more about our character than our calendar and that God wants to do something in us and through us and with us and around us and not just to change our stuff. We looked at the first week that God wants us to be honest in our communication with him, that he gives us, you and I, permission to struggle. In fact, that's what the word Habakkuk means. Um, the word Habakkuk literally means to embrace or to wrestle. And I like that. You ever seen, you know, two guys on the side of the street and you're like, hey, stop Habakkuking. And they're like, oh, we're not doing that. We're Habakkuking, right? I mean, no, no. It's kind of the same. Y- y'all will get it in a minute. All right? So they're not embracing the wrestling, right? All right, that's what I'm saying. That many of us, When we wrestle with God through these tough situations, the why gods, the how much longer gods, all of this stuff, when we wrestle with God through those things, wrestling with God is still intimacy with God because you can't wrestle with somebody you're not touching. 
And for some of you, you're thinking, I got problems with you, God, and the way my life's turning out, you keep on hanging on to God because he will hang on to you. Today, we're going to be looking at chapter 3. This is page 712 of the One Church Bible. Before we dig into Habakkuk, I want to dig into a scripture that we have been digging into. That's a whole lot of digging over the past two weeks. Y'all remember James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4? We're not even going to put it on the screen. You remember this? It says, consider it pure joy. That's what it says when you experience various trials for that gives you an opportunity. You remember the word opportunity? Everybody say opportunity. Opportunity, right? I don't want opportunities like that. You know what I mean? I mean, people, when somebody say, I got an opportunity for you, that's usually them selling something. You're like, get away from me, right? But God said, listen, when you have problems, when you have issues, when you experience the dips, it gives something, it gives you an opportunity for your character and your faith to grow. I want to read you a different verse, not the James 1 passage, but it's kind of very, very similar. It's 1 Peter chapter 4. Before we dig into Habakkuk, it says this. Dear friends, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I mean, in, in, in James 1, 2, it says, dear brothers. Here it says, dear friends. Anytime the Bible it says, dear something, you might want to buckle up. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the, not just trials, but fiery trials you are going to go through, you're, you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Now, I think that's important because so many times we think that if we act right, then things are going to go right. And what the Bible says is this. When things start, when the slats start coming out of our lives and we start getting just stuff happening, what this verse says is don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very, and what's that next word? Glad. Glad. Yeah, right. Because these trials will make you. See, there's something happening with this. We can be glad or have joy, James says, because something's happening in us. It is making us partners with Christ in his suffering. And afterward, you will have the wonderful, there's that next word, joy of sharing in his glory when it is displayed to the entire world. Don't be surprised. God's intention is to write a great story with your life. It is. He wants to write a great story, but here's this. Easy lives do not make good stories. They don't. In fact, if you, how many of y'all like reading fiction books? Anyone? Not too many people. How many of y'all like going to the movies? Yeah, like, hey, let me see the movie. I don't want to read the book. You see, what makes... A good book or what makes a good movie is when the main character experiences conflict. In fact, if the main character experiences conflict, what happens to that character is something happens called character development. The same thing that what makes a good story on the screen or on a book is the very same thing that makes a good story between you and I. Conflict has to come in there and we experience character development. And I, I, I just, I wonder if God, the reason why he's allowing you to go through some of those dips is so that he can develop, so develop some character within you. Some character that he, I mean, because if, if you were to ask the average person, would you spend $9.50 the going price for a movie? Would you spend nine fifty to go see a movie 
created about your life up to this point. None of us would go, uh-uh, I ain't going to spend 10 bucks. No, because what we have a tendency to do is we overprotect our lives and we live bland lives because we get rid of all the conflict. And that it's, sometimes it's in those moments of conflict. It's in those circumstances, those dips, that God wants to, to do something in us. Do something in this. So we're going to ask the question today, what do you do to get out of the dip? Some of you, you've been in the dip for a while. How many of y'all feeling a little dippy? All right. If you, if, because dips happen, and dips, I mean, and, and none of us want to live in the dips. We're going to be asking the question, what do you do to get out of the dip? And here is the first thing we're going to look in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1. What we do to get out of the dip, the first thing is that we have to make a choice to worship. To worship. This is what Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1 says. And by the way, worship when you don't feel like it. You see, it's easy to come in here and go, oh, you know, the great I am, the great I am. And man, the, the, you know, the, the guitar player is going, you know, Sam's over here, you know, right? All right? And Brooke's over here playing, and Natalie, she's doing this, and J.D., you know, he's got the ball cap on, and, you know, he's doing it, right? It's easy and get excited to worship when you got people on stage. Lead this. But can we worship on Tuesday nights when the kid won't go to sleep? And things are not going well, and you realize you didn't get the promotion. You see, worship is a choice. It's not something that we do on Sunday mornings. It's not just that. It is a choice. And when we make the choice to worship, that's when we're going to start getting out of our dip. Look at Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1. This prayer was, what's that next word? Sung by the prophet Habakkuk. Now, the word sung is the Hebrew word. I'm going to teach you a Hebrew word today. It's called shiganoth. Can you say that with me? Shiganoth. All right? Let me explain to you what shiganoth, what the definition is. It's this. Shiganoth means a wild, passionate song with rapid changes of rhythm. Y'all may have heard this song. Will Smith made this shiganoth popular when he said, getting shiggy with it. All right? Y'all remember that one? That was shiggy with it, all right? All right, that's what shiganoth is. It is wild, passionate, with rapid changes of rhythm, all right? Now, what's so cool about that is we're going to be looking at a different translation of the Bible today. We normally look at the NLT or the New Living Translation. That's what those things in parentheses are. We're going to be looking at another translation called the Amplified Bible. Let me explain what that is. The Amplified Bible, what it does is it takes a word the definition of a word, and it inserts it into the verse. So the verse is longer, but I'll give you the, Remember, the, this is a prayer of Habakkuk that was sung. Remember that word sung? Wild, enthusiastic, triumphal. Look at this. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, set to, what does it say? Wild, what is it? Enthusiastic and triumphal music. It's taking that word sung, shiganoth, and it's putting the, inserting the definition in there. We're going to be looking at another verse next week that it does the exact same thing to. Shiganoth means a wild, enthusiastic, and triumphal music. Now, I like this. I mean, a wild song. I mean, you, I like, I mean when I think of wild, when you, when you, when you, what type of wild songs do you think of that you would say, that's a wild song? Rap music, Okay. All right, I mean, wild thing. I mean, you got some. I mean, what? I mean, this is a wild song. 
while enthusiastic, right? Not the great I am. No, no, no. That's not enthusiasm. Enthusiasm and then triumphal. When I hear the word triumphal music, I think of this. Right? I, I, lo- I think of Rocky, right? Or Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger is the thrill of the night. You know what I'm saying? I think of that type of triumphal music. All right? Now, now what's so interesting about this? This does have a point. The point is this. What has changed in Habakkuk's circumstance that he can be singing a wild, enthusiastic, and triumphant music? Let me tell you what's changed in his circumstance. Nothing. Nothing. The the same questions he had in in Habakkuk chapter 1, he still has. He hasn't gotten his questions answered. In Habakkuk chapter 2, he's waiting for God to say, okay, no, these evil Babylonians aren't going to come and conquer you. But you know what? The Babylonians are coming. They're sharpening their swords. They're on the edge of town. They're getting ready to wipe them out. So if Habakkuk's circumstances hadn't changed, and Habakkuk's questions hasn't been answered, then what in the world is he doing singing a wild, enthusiastic and triumphal song? That's a great question. And the, that, the answer to that question is found in the word enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is a Greek word, and it's a compound word, and it literally means God in. In, the E-N, means I-N. Enthusi, or theos, theology, that's a study of God. So God in is enthusiasm. In fact, here it is. This is so, to be enthusiastic about something means that you see God working in something. And you see, the reason why Habakkuk can have a wild, enthusiastic, because he's seeing God working. And he's choosing to worship God. Habakkuk chooses to focus on God and no longer on his problems. And so many times we have this tendency, we want to try to change our circumstances. But maybe, just maybe, God is not wanting us to focus on changing our circumstances. God is wanting to focus on changing us in our circumstances. That's our big idea today. Sometimes God changes our circumstances. And sometimes God changes us in our circumstances. See, so many times what we have a tendency to do is we go out and we try to make things easy for ourselves and we try to change this and manipulate this and work on this so that we will get rid of all of the bad circumstances in our life. And many times when we do that, we're working against God. Because sometimes God allows us to go through those bad circumstances. He allows us to go through the dip because he wants to change something in us. It's character development. And conflict brings through and allows character development to happen within us. Because God is more interested in us becoming something rather than getting out of a tough situation. And so many times we spend all of our time trying to get out of tough situations 
And what we have a tendency, and we've no longer, we've not learned it. It's like this. You could be a third grader, and you're taking that third grade test, and it's difficult. But if you don't pass the test, you don't get to move on to fourth grade, right? So many of us, God has allowed us to go through these tests so that we can graduate, and what we try to do is we keep on skipping the test. You see what I'm saying? We, it's like we're not even showing up for the test anymore. We're just like, no, that's difficult. I, I'm putting my head in the sand, right? And, and God's like, you, you got to take the test to move on. But we, we, we keep on ducking tests and trials and circumstances and depths. And God's like, you've got to learn through this. God wants to change something in you. Not just change your circumstance. He wants to change you. Now, this is what verse 2 says, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with what? Awe by your amazing works. Now, that's interesting because God ain't doing any amazing works right now. So what is he talking about? In this time of our deep need, you see, God ain't working right now. They're in deep need. Everybody say deep need. How many of y'all have ever been in deep need? I think all of us. We've been knee-deep in deep need. Help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, say that next word. What is it? Remember your mercy. You see, the first thing, if we're going to get out of the dip, we're going to have to make a choice to worship God. Not just because we feel like it, not just because the band is on, not just because, no, we make a choice. I am going to focus on you, God. Now, the second thing we're going to be able to do to be able to get out of this dip is we have to remember. We have to remember. Habakkuk remembers what God has done. He goes through a very detailed explanation and through this entire chapter about remembering what God did back then, and God did back then, and God, yeah, he did this to this person, and he helped this person, and no, he's not helping me, but he helped this person a long time ago. And we're going to see him wrestling with God and say, okay, God, you moved with Moses, you moved with David, you moved with Joshua, you moved with Abraham, you moved with Sarah, you moved with all of these people, and if you're new to one church, you're like, who are these people you talking about? They're in the Bible. All right, But you, I mean, you moved in their life, their life, their life. And if you moved in their life, then one day you will move in my life. We have to remember. And we're going to see Habakkuk traveling down memory lane. And he's going to remember the goodness and the power of God. He's going to look at some very tangible and visible things that will trigger spiritual memories because things can trigger spiritual memories. He's going to talk to God. He's going to tell God of all the things that God did. And you know, that's a good way of praying. Some of you are like, I don't pray. Okay, I understand that. You know, praying is, is, is really, to be honest with you, there's not a wrong way to pray. Did you know that? You know, some people when they pray, they go, dear Lord, and, the, and, the, and their voice drops, and they start speaking in King James English. And thou saith the Lord. That's not, do you, have, do you talk to your best friend that way? No, you don't, all right? You pick up the phone and say, what's up, right? And maybe some of you, your, your prayer life would be transformed if you just talk to God the way you talk to a friend. Because let me tell you, what, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, there is a friend that will stick closer than a brother. That's Jesus. 
For some of you, you just got to get out of that, that thing and say, I don't talk to God, I don't pray to God. Some of the best ways you can pray to God is just by telling him what you just read. Okay, remember James chapter 1, verse 2? God, I know what you're saying. I need to consider it pure joy when I face trials because you're giving me an opportunity. God, I pray that you would not allow me to miss this opportunity. You just take that verse and you talk it back to God. You quote God back to God. And you know what? He will love that. And a lot of times, if you don't know what to say, take a verse. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. You know what you can do? God, I, I know that you're faithful. I know that you're just. And you remind God of his faithfulness. And by the way, does God need to be reminded that he's faithful? No. Do you need to be reminded that God is faithful? You betcha. I need to, be, need to be reminded all the time. Why? Because when I'm in the dip, I lose perspective. And I forget about God's track record in my life. We have to remember. Sometimes when things are not going well, you just got to remember what God did. And then for others of you, you just need to get around people that God's doing something now. You know what I'm saying? Last week, we did community groups. And I hope, if you, if you, I hope you got into a community group last week. Because the whole reason we do that is we believe here at One Church that life is done best in circles rather than rows. And all of us, we struggle with getting into these dips and we lose perspective. And I think, God, where are you at? Why aren't you working? What are you doing? But when I get around somebody that he's working in their life and not in my life, it encourages me. And I'm going, you know what? Things aren't all that bad. Things are going to work out okay. Not because he's working in my life. I'm not seeing him. But I see that he's working in you. And maybe, and maybe some of that goodness will just slosh out on me. You know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all ever been to a baseball game, a football game, and somebody was bringing beer, and it was all full, and it sloshed out onto you? Anybody? It's like, I stink, right? Well, think about it. All right, what if you got around people that God just filled that goodness all up in them, and it just kind of sloshed out on you? And you're like, okay, God's grace I'm not seeing it in my life, but I see it in yours, and I just got a big slosh of it. Man, that's good. Why I'm comparing God's grace to beer, I have no idea <laughs> theologically. But anyway, all right, let's look at verse 3. All right, um, chapter 3, verse 3. I see God moving. Everybody see that? Say that. I see God moving. Let's say it again. I see God moving across the deserts of Edom. The Holy One coming from Mount Paran, his brilliant splendor fills the heavens, and the earth is filled with his praise. Now, that doesn't mean too much to us, but a lot of these Edom and Mount Paran, let me tell you what's happening here. Because the average Israelite, when this time was written, they would go, oh, I know exactly what they're talking about. That God is taking God's people out of Egypt, out of bondage, because they were in bondage for hundreds of years in Egypt. And God raised up a guy by the name of Moses, and he got them out of there, and they traveled to these mountains and through Edom. I love that, that God's promises. And you know what? God, he ain't working now in Habakkuk's life, but he's remembering when God worked in Moses' life. In fact, it says this in verse 5. Look at this. Pestilence marches before him, and plagues close behind. Plagues follow close behind. You remember how God got the Israelites out of Egypt? He used ten plagues. 
And here Habakkuk's remembering all of this. Verse 3, I see God moving. I love that because God's not moving in his situation, but he remembers the time when God was moving. And some of you, that's the reason why we said last week, you just need to write this stuff down. Because when we're in the dip, we lose perspective. We don't remember when God did move, but he moved last week. But we're in our dip now, and we're like, God, and we're like, God's like, I just rescued you last week. I mean, if I did that last week, do you think I'm going to leave you out to dry now? Of course he's not. But we forget. We have to remember. And, and Habakkuk just starts going through the entire 39 books of the Old Testament, and he's bebopping and scatting. He's remembering these things. Verse 8. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No, you were sending your chariots of salvation. When God delivered the Israelites from Egyptian bondage, he got there, and there's millions of Israelites. And they just came out of Egypt, but all of Pharaoh and his armies behind them, they're chasing them, and they get to the end of the Red Sea. They got nowhere to go. So you know what God does? He makes a way where there's no way. And he parts the waters. And he allows these millions of Israelites to go on dry ground, go all the way through. And in Exodus 18, he puts all of the Red Sea back together. The the Egyptian army is wiped out. And they're all singing. The Israelites are up on the bank, you know. And they're having a great time because they saw God move. Habakkuk is talking about that time. But God's not moving in Habakkuk's time. But he's remembering when God did move. I love that. Look at what it says this. After they get out of through the Red Sea, he goes to Mount Sinai. And it's in Mount Sinai that God, that Moses talks to God like a a friend talks to another friend. And God gives him how many commandments? Ten commandments. Unless you're, you know, the... Somebody, I can't remember, there's this, there was an old movie, God gave you 15 and he drops one in 10 commandments. I think, I can't remember what funny movie that was. But, but God only gave him 10 commandments. And when Moses is coming down, it says Moses' face shone like the sun because he had spent time with God. Look at what Habakkuk 3, 4 says. His, his coming is as brilliant as what? The sunrise, rays of light flash from his hands, and his awesome power is hidden. That's Exodus 34, 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become what? Radiant. Why? Because he had spoken to the Lord. The people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. You see, Habakkuk is remembering all of this. Habakkuk is remembering what God has done, and he starts to make the choice of singing praise to God. Wild, enthusiastic, triumphal music, and Habakkuk's circumstances hasn't changed. What's changed is Habakkuk. God wants to change us in our circumstances. Not just change the circumstances. Verse 6. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. How many of y'all, your mom ever gave you one of those looks that made you tremble? I remember growing up here in Clarksville, we were, um, uh, I went to this very small church across the river, and my mom would sing in the choir. And we had these wooden, uh, um, they call them pews, but if you're not growing them in church, you're like, what? They're like these wooden seats that were very uncomfortable. And uh, I would, in that wooden pew, I would do spitballs. 
And, you know, I would throw stuff at people because my mom was in the choir. She was up there. She couldn't do nothing. So I would be up there, you know, and then I would catch a glimpse of my mom. And she would be like this. And that's when I went. Right? Because one glimpse and I would be, I would be scared straight. That's what we're talking about here. I'm going to keep on reading. He shatters the everlasting mountains and he levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. Wow. Verse 9, you brandish your bow and your quiver of arrows. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. That's talking about Genesis chapter 6 and Noah and the flood. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands to the Lord. Here you have oceans literally worshiping God. That's cool. The mighty deep is lifting its hands. And again, what has changed in Habakkuk's life? Nothing. But Habakkuk has changed. Verse 11, the sun and the moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. What that's talking about is Joshua. Joshua, after Moses, is, after Moses dies and a lot of the older generation dies, Joshua and these millions of Israelites go into the land God had promised them and they start clearing out all the enemies. And there was one time in Joshua chapter 10 in fact, I'm just going to read it to you. It says this. Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel, and he said, let the sun stand what? Still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Angelon. So the sun and the moon stood what? Still until the Israelites had defeated their enemies. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky, and it did not set as on a normal day. You see, when God gets involved in your situations, normal becomes abnormal. And that's what Habakkuk is remembering. Habakkuk remembers these martyrful deeds, and he starts to sing. He starts to sing. Now, here's what I like. I love this because when we're in the dip, sometimes you have to remember. Sometimes you just have to make the decision to worship. And you have to remember what God and who God is. When I don't see him now, I remember what he's done. Look at verse 16 as we close. I will wait quietly. For the coming day, when disasters will strike the people who invade us. What Habakkuk is saying is this. My circumstances hadn't changed. The Babylonians, these evil people are still coming. They're right at the edge of town. They're sharpening the swords. And I have no answers. Things are not going to turn out the way I think they should. But I'm going to wait quietly. But look at what verse 17 says. I love the willpower, the determination, and the decision that Habakkuk makes right here. It says this. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms. Everybody say no blossoms. And there are no grapes on the vines. Everybody say no grapes. Even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Just keep that up there. Imagine if your livelihood dependent, was dependent upon fig trees. Or cattle. Or if you were, you owned a vineyard. And that's how you were going to feed your family. 
You see, we kind of garden for fun. That's not what we're talking about here. In fact, if I could paraphrase this, even though I may lose my job, and even though my family may leave me, even though my children may walk away, and even though I may not have any income, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. That's a choice. That is a choice. I will rejoice in the Lord. Keep on going. I will be joyful. There's that word again. You know what happiness is? Happiness is dependent upon happenstance. That's your, that's your circumstance. You see, if I give you a million dollars, you're going to be happy. Right? All right? But you know what? If I take away money from you, you're not going to be happy because what's changed? It's your happenstance. It's your circumstance. Let me tell you, you can have joy even though your circumstances are down in the dumps. In fact, it says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, talking about Jesus Christ, it says, I hope I can quote this. This came off the top of my head. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There wasn't any happiness there, but Jesus could have joy because joy is not dependent upon circumstance. I'm going to keep on reading that. Joyful. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. You remember how this started? This was set to wild, enthusiastic, and triumphal music. That's how this started, and he's ended saying, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, I am going to rejoice and be joyful. And it's ending with wild, enthusiastic, and triumphal music. You know, some of you, you're here and your hands are empty. The things that you've been praying for God to fill them with, he hasn't. For some of you, it's like, God, fix my spouse. And your spouse just keeps on just doing whatever they want to. And and you're crying out to God, God, fix my spouse. Others of you, you're just praying to God, God, give me a spouse. Give me that that person I've been praying and longing for, and he hasn't done it yet. For others of you, you've been praying for a child that's just been kind of going this way, and and you don't know what to do anymore because God's not answering your prayer, and and your hands are empty. Well, if you've got no fig blossoms, if you've got no grapes... If you've got no cattle, if everything is barren, you're empty. Let me tell you, how much, how much stuff can empty hands hold? A lot. And maybe the reason why your hands are empty right now is because God is wanting to give you something more. And if you had all of that stuff, if it was all filled and you were all weighted down, you couldn't carry another thing. But God is wanting to do something in you. He's wanting to change you in your circumstances. He's wanting to. But sometimes he has to take stuff away so that you can carry it and you can accept what God wants to give you. Let me tell you how we're going to close today. We have some poster board up here. And what we're going to do is the band is going to come in just a little bit, and they're going to come sing and play. I'm asking you to take this poster board, and I want you to be able to write a question you have of God. Maybe a disappointment with God, maybe a problem you had of God, maybe something you've been wrestling with with God. And I want you to write that down. And if you have an answer for that, 
I want you to flip it over, and I want you to write what that answer is. I shared with you my, with mine three weeks ago. I was really frustrated with God because in 2005, he allowed my family to be hurt by the church. Not this church. It was a church in the Midwest, but a family-run church just ran us off, and they didn't act really Christian. And I had a really big problem with God. And my question was, God, why did, we get, why did you allow us to go through all of that? You know what? 2013, I have the answer to that question. And here it is. It's so that we could start a church for people who had been hurt by the church. So that we could start a church like one church. For some of you... You just need to write down that question, whatever that is. You write it down. Let me read you some of the ones from first service. Why did you let me grow up abused and battered? That is a, that's a Habakkuk question right there. So I could meet the love of my life, and he led me to you. You see... For some of you, man, you're struggling with some stuff. Why did you allow me to be a single mom at 16? Answer? So I could get closer to you. But what we're going to do is as we close the service today, the band's going to uh, sing and they're going to play, and I'm just going to ask you guys to come down and fill this out, write this out, come up here so that everybody can see your question. And let everybody see, because this is going to be a way for not only you to remember, but for other people to be encouraged that God is moving. That even in those dark times, that God is moving in your life. Dear God, I just thank you so much, Lord, for your love and your grace. I thank you so much, God, that we can wrestle stuff with you, and we can struggle with you, and God, that you never ever turn us away, even when our questions are dirty and they're, they're not really clean and we struggle and we just, all of this stuff, God, I pray that, that we would be able to just be able to be real with you, real with you, God. We thank you so much, Lord, that we could be able to come and we can Habakkuk with you. And Lord, as I pray, as people come forward and just write out those questions, Lord, that we would all be encouraged to see where you're moving, where you're acting, even when if you're not moving in our life, you're moving in somebody's life. And Lord, I pray that you would move in ours today. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.